Hello, Internet. My name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. Gangster Squad. Yeah. It's a movie. That's a dumb name for a movie. You don't like the name of the Gangster Squad? Uh, it seems a bit cartoony. It seems a bit silly. Yeah. Is this movie meant to be a little silly and cartoony, though? It is, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that'll come up in the podcast, yeah. but... Before I saw the film, I didn't like the title, and then after I saw the film, I thought, yeah, that fits. Yeah. (laughs) Well, one thing we learn in the film, everyone wears a badge. What badge do you wear? I don't think they're talking literally. I was looking at myself, saying, (laughs) where's my badge? I don't know. Although that's a little confusing, because, like... Most of the characters in the film do also literally have badges. <laughs> That's what you want from a saying, for it to be simple and catchy, everyone to get it, for it to be a metaphor half of the time. Yeah. And you know, like, it's Josh Brolin who says it, who's one of the policemen. So maybe he just assumes that if you're in the mob, you also have a badge. <laughs> maybe he's speaking literally. Should, anyway. we, should we make screen verdict badges? And we can uh, give them out to the listeners. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. I think, yeah. Is our badge podcasters? Is that the badge we wear? I don't know. I'm a little bit worried about suggesting people wear badges. This sounds a little bit Hitler. Yeah. Sounds a little bit like, oh, if, if you're gay, you're going to have to wear a badge, letting us know that. Yeah. We're not suggesting racial badges. Let's just make that clear. No. Um, Nike. There you go. That's a relatively harmless badge that I've got. Well... You know, probably like an eight-year-old Chinese yeah. boy had to glue that on. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had it in school a prefect badge. Oh, I was like on the leadership team. What powers come with a prefect badge? Um, Can you arrest students? It did mean I could come late to mass and say I was doing prefect work. <laughs> I was the prefect that was meant to liaise between the sort of the primary slash elementary school and the secondary slash high school. Yeah, so I could just like pop into the primary slash elementary department whenever I wanted and just talk to people there and then... Pedo's dream. (laughs) Usually with the teachers. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, Usually. <laughs> and then I'd um, just rock up late to mass. Other than tidiness and hanging out with primary school kids, what do the characters in the film use their badges for? Uh, <laughs> the literal badges. <laughs> well, what do they do in the film? What do the characters get up to? What's the premise? It's in Los Angeles. 1949. Yes. Back in... The past. <laughs> um, and the mob is running pretty rampant. Would that be fair to say? The mob. <laughs> yeah, Mickey Cohen, uh, played by Sean Penn, mm-hmm. is making a name for himself. He's got the drugs, the girls, the clubs. Everyone's in his pocket. Mm-hmm. He's pretty much running LA. Yeah. And then the police are not doing anything, really. Mm. There's Josh Brolin who at the beginning he sort of like busts up a sort of place run by Mickey 
but um, he gets in trouble for doing that by the pool. Like, you think you come back, you've sort of, like, saved a girl from getting raped and, like, I don't know, sold into, like, the sex. Well, what, what was... Okay, at the beginning, they get this girl from the airport, the mob. Hey, y'all, uh, we've got a... Uh, an audition for actresses uh, in our, like, secret room. Do you want to come back there? She's like, oh, yes, I'd love to. Oh, I wanted to be a big Hollywood star. And then they take her back there, and then, like, were they just going to lock her in that room until she was, like, a prostitute? Or were they just going to sleep with her once? Like, yeah, I think they were just going to assault her and then maybe just force her to stay there, maybe try and get her hooked on drugs and force her to work for them. Yeah. It's pretty seedy stuff. Yeah. Pretty... Yeah, this is pretty nasty. This isn't, like, just, you know, robbing a bank or something. <laughs> like, yeah. A victimless crime bank robbing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Ben Affleck in the town organised crime. <laughs> we're talking, uh... We're talking... We're uh, not rooting for these guys. Yeah, no. Uh, so Josh Rowland saves the girl, and then everyone at the police is like, Nice job, buddy! Way to, like, way to be a douchebag. <laughs> You're lucky you haven't lost your badge. <laughs> Sticklers for the rules. you got to play by the book. They don't like renegades at this police yeah. station. Mm. But someone that does like a bit of a renegade is Nick Nolte. Because he doesn't like Mickey Cohen. He doesn't like the way the city is going. And so he decides, right, we're going to have to do this off the books. Not an official police operation. We're going to get a group of cops together maybe some people outside the force, mm. and we're going to perform, I guess, some kind of espionage-type missions in order to bring Mickey down. Mm. So he gets Josh Brolin for that. Josh Brolin's clearly on board. He said, I've got a really fun idea, right? We're going to make a group, yeah. right? I've got the name for it. Yeah. Gangster Squad. Yeah. <laughs> Get your friends. It sounds like lots of fun. Yeah. So Josh Brolin at first is like, so you want us to kill... You want us to kill Mickey? He's like, no, no, that won't work. Someone else will just come in. So what you need to do is just, like, destroy all his operations. Like, just ruin everything. And then run him out of town. Yeah. Run him out of town. <laughs> so Nick Nolte's on board. Josh Brolin's on board. Josh Brolin's wife is not on board initially. No, Josh Brolin's wife, Maril Enos, she knows what it's like having to be a policeman solving grisly crimes yeah. in her time on the killing. Yes. She goes, no, this is going to be draining. This is going to hurt the family. I've got a baby on the way. I don't yeah. like this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> People are going to complain at the end of season one. They don't like the twist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And they think her line is, I, w- I need a husband, not a hero. Mm. But, I don't know. The audience needs a hero, not a husband. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) We don't want two hours of Josh Brolin being a good husband to (laughs) Morellinos. Okay? But, I don't know. She sleeps on it in the morning. She's like, okay, I've had a look at all these people. I know who you want for your gangster squad. (laughs) (laughs) She seemed pretty good at it, too. Had some good reasoning on uh, who should make the team. She's like, all these people you chose, they're too, they're too, they're going to be lieutenants. They're probably already bought by the mob. You need to get the, the rough, the ruffians, the... She's like one of those wives that ends up being better than you at fantasy football. Yeah, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So she helps pick the team, 
And he goes around and recruits this sort of ragtag, like, <laughs> cop. It's really a better group for the movie, too. <laughs> so who's on the team? Or the squad? Who's on the squad? We've got Michael Pena mm-hmm. from End of Watch and a few yes. other things. The sort of Mexican apprentice of some old dude. <laughs> yeah. Was the old dude a policeman, or he just like an old dude that was good at shooting? I think he was a private detective okay, or something yeah. like that. He's sort of the sharpshooter. Yeah. Shoots cans in the air. Yeah, he's very good at shooting, so got him on board. Michael Bean just rocks up to one of their meetings or something, and they're like, what are you doing here? So like, oh, I thought I'd just pop on in, like, maybe be a part of the group. Like, is he cool? And the old guy's like, yeah, he's cool. <laughs> There's Giovanni Rabisi. He's the brainy one, the guy who does the technical stuff. Yeah, the bugs. Seems like he's listening to the bugs, he's wiring things. But I think they also bring him along to shoot people as well. <laughs> You've got the black guy, Anthony Mackie. Is, that is he like the guy that plays like God or something in the Adjustment Bureau? No, nah, I think he's just a guy on the Adjustment Bureau. Yeah, so you got Anthony Mackie. I try to remember as little as possible about that movie. <laughs> yes. He was also in The Hurt Locker. Mm. Hmm. So uh, he stopped defusing bombs, he stopped adjusting things, and now he's uh, on the Gangster Squad. And uh, I guess the other person on the Gangster Squad is Ryan Gosling. Everyone would have been like, when are you going to get to Ryan Gosling, man? Just say Ryan Gosling. But yeah. if we'd have said the other people afterwards, you wouldn't have been paying attention anymore. You would yeah. just have been thinking about Ryan Gosling. So, yeah. Thought we'd name drop those losers before we yeah. got to <laughs> the Gosling. A legitimate celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> and that's your gangster squad. I was waiting for the scene where, like, what do we call some guys? The gangster squad. And we got it eventually. <laughs> it was at a bar. They're all like, to the gangster squad. The gangster squad. <laughs> and I like said, that's the name of the movie. <laughs> Do you like the idea of the gangster squad? Is this a good plan by Nick Nolte? I think it is a good plan because it seems like Mickey Cohen has everyone bought. He's got judges. He's got sheriffs. He's got other policemen, lawyers. I think you have to go off the books. Mm. I think you could have come up with a cooler name. Yeah. But I think the plan is a solid plan. Mm. This is off the books. Hopefully you're not writing down the name much. <laughs> <laughs> like, hopefully the name like isn't a huge part of the, the operation. But here's my issue. I saw Mickey Cohen in the movie, and I don't see him like running out of town. I don't see him going, okay, let's cut our losses and leave. I feel like it sort of was a bit of a plan to uh, poke the hornet's nest with a stick, to poke (laughs) the bear, the sleeping bear. I think at some point you need in the plan to kill Mickey Cohen. This idea that he will just leave to pursue business elsewhere (laughs) was a bit of a flaw in the plan. Well, I don't know. If you do bash the hornet's nest with a stick, and you smash its home. I know Charlie thinks hornets make honey. I don't think they make honey. But if you get rid of its honey as well, the hornet doesn't really have any reason to stay there. But it will spend the rest of its life trying to sting you. 
I don't know. I think the hornet would give up eventually and just go try and find another nest to live in. Yeah. I know. I think that was a huge flaw in the plan. Because when, when Nick Nolte said that in the movie, I was like, there is no way he's just leaving town. <laughs> there is no way. The movie just finishes with everyone just at the bar, like, clinking beers. Like, yeah, we got him to just get in his car and drive off. Yeah. Good job, Cheers, gangster, guys. Yeah, gangster squad win. Yeah, so... That uh, could be how the movie ends. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, I do know, but I'm not going to yeah. say. Mm. So anyway, let's let's talk a bit about Mickey Cohen and the mob. Uh, what, did, what do you think about these guys? I thought he was a really bad dude. Cartoonishly so. Yeah. It was very over the top how much he just loved violence and treated everyone terribly. And then when his own guys stuffed up, he'd just have them murdered brutally. Yeah. But I sort of went along with it. I was kind of like, this is a bit silly, but I kind of like the idea of this devilishly evil bad guy Mm. for the gangster squad to try and take down. Yeah. And he seemed like a worthy adversary because he was doing very well Mm. and had a lot of people behind him. So it wasn't like one of those things where you're like, oh, you know, that guy's just going to make a mistake or they go to this guy and then they arrest him. Mm. It's like, even if you have the goods on the guy, enough evidence to arrest the guy, how are you going to arrest him when he's in a hotel with like a hundred armed bodyguards? Yeah. So yeah, I thought he was a pretty good character. <sighs> yeah, no, 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 I did. Um, <laughs> I did. I I thought it got to a little bit of a point where it was a little unbelievable just how powerful the mob was in L.A. (laughs) There's a point in the movie where some police come to confront Mickey and he sends out his men to pretty much just mow down the whole police unit with with his mob. Was really the mob so powerful in L.A. that they could just openly just mow down like six to eight police officers... And get away with it? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't, that, that's the setup. That's the yeah. situation that we have I guess, in the movie. Yeah. I think the police... They're bullsy. I'm not making mistakes so much now, but in the years leading up to this. Mm. Because once someone's that powerful, it's hard to stop them. Yes. But how do you let Mickey become this powerful in the first place? Yeah. Do you think, like, he let it go on for a bit, like, don't you think it's the same six people? They're not murdering everyone at these venues. That he wouldn't figure out who the gangster squad was. Like, they're not wearing masks or anything. Yeah, I assume in 1949 they probably had sketch artists. Mm. They probably had better sketch artists in 1949 because yeah. there aren't people taking pictures with their iPhones yeah, and stuff. Yeah, So, yeah, it would seem like you might be able to figure out who these people are. Yeah, so they like raid his casino, his little gambling operations, his various things. Uh, there's a, a big shootout scene at uh, Slapsy Maxis. <laughs> Slapsy Maxis. Get your dining, dancing, drinking, and shootouts yeah. at Slapsy Maxis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of Slapsy Maxis for a name for the. Oh, I like it. It's catchy. It seemed like a pretty swanky place as well. Oh, it'd be. It's the place to be. I think <laughs> in LA in 1940. What is it, though, with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone movies where there's only one bar? 
Like forty yeah. percent of crazy stupid love just occurs in one bar. Room Bubby, you know, what like everyone just about, goes yeah. meeting all the different girls. Just this is one yeah. place to go mm. in Gangster Squad. Slapsy Maxies is that place. Yeah. Like, all right, we're going to go on a date. Where should we go? Hmm, how about Slapsy Maxies? <laughs> yes. Uh, particularly questionable when that's uh, the place owned by her other boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Boys <laughs> to hang out. Uh, I think it was pretty funny when Mickey uh, knew he was being overheard by the gangster squad. So he, this is a paraphrase, but it's pretty close. He was like, okay, tonight, the most important deal is going down. <laughs> if anything were to happen at this thing, then I'd have to leave town. Like, it would be over. Then the guy in the wire like, Whoa, listen to this! <laughs> yeah, normally in these crime drama type films, there's a lot of twists and turns, and people know this and they don't think that these guys actually do know, and they actually know this, and there's kind of double, triple crossing. Whereas this was just like single crossing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just like one trick and everyone fell for it. Yeah. <laughs> The Gangster Squad were maybe not the smartest squad. They weren't the uh, they weren't the intelligence bureau. Uh, so so let's let's uh, maybe move across to we've touched on it a bit. Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone. Ryan Gosling one night he's just hanging out at Slapsy Maxie's, and he sees Emma Stone. Who's that tomato with Mickey? <laughs> No one's Italian in this film. You can't just do your Tony Soprano impression for every one character in the film. Because it's called Gangster Squad. It's it's a gangster, like. It's a gangster. He talks like a child. He's got a very high voice. Like, she says, oh, he tells her he's a Bible salesman. She goes, oh, you going to try and save me or whatever, convert me. And he just goes, no, ma'am. I was just hoping to take you to bed. Yeah. Like, it was... Oh, that's pretty good, actually. (laughs) Who's who's the tomato? <laughs> They're in LA. They're not New Jersey gangsters. <laughs> New Jersey, Los Angeles. It's all the same. So uh, the tomato is Emma Stone. Emma Stone is, is tomato a compliment back then? Like is that like anyone that ever spoke to her seemed to refer to her as some nickname involving the fact that she has red hair? Like yeah. hey red, hey tomato. Yeah. I don't know if it's so much a compliment or non-complimentary so much as that's something that you would be able to get away with in the 40s. Yeah. That is not really as acceptable now. So if I ever see Emma Stone, I should not say to her, boy, you're one great looking tomato. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, even in 2013, I reckon Ryan Gosling could probably get away with it. <laughs> yes. Even with the funny voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I do not recommend that as redhead pickup strategy for the screen verdict listeners. No. So did you like them as a couple? Were they interesting? Well, she's seeing someone else. So it's a bit of a grey area. Mm. Like, should you go out with someone who's seeing someone else? On the Who other will definitely side, yeah. murder both of you. Yeah, yes. If they well, find yeah, out. I guess, I guess you do a pros and cons list, don't you? Cons. She's going out with someone else. Pro, the person she is going out with is evil. 
do you have any obligation to this guy? <laughs> Con, he'd probably kill you if he found out. Pro, it's Emma Stone. <laughs> Con, it's complicated. For a movie with not many complications. Pro... <laughs> I don't know if this is a pro, but, like, she does put out pretty, like, quickly. <laughs> a pro to the less conservative members of the Screen Verdict listeners. No, we need a more extensive list of pros and cons with short-term pros and cons and long-term <laughs> yes. pros and cons. Yes. I kind of like these two... I like the dialogue between them. I thought it was quite snappy. There were some good scenes there. But in terms of what it added to the plot, it was a bit simple. It was a bit kind of like, why are you doing this? Why don't you just do this? And there weren't really that many more layers to it. Do you think it's sort of bizarre in hindsight that um, Ryan Gosling, because of this relationship, Ryan Gosling ran into more problems with, like, Steve Carell in Crazy Stupid Love than he did from Sean Penn in this movie. <laughs> like, I don't think he's even hurt much, like, by Sean Penn in this movie. Uh, but he's, like, beaten up and really, like, hurt by Steve Carell in Crazy Stupid Love. <laughs> Steve Carell, he's a bad dude. Don't yeah. mess with him. Yeah, don't mess with Steve Carell. So there's a lot of big names here. Mm. Sometimes on Screen Verdict, we give out an MVP. Mm. Matt, who is your favourite? I'm probably just going to be a bit boring and say Josh Brolin. None of the characters were particularly interesting, but I thought he did a good job, sort of liked him. At the start, I thought it was going to be Josh Brolin, because mm. I thought, man, here's this renegade cop, doesn't play by the rules, he's a badass, he's getting in fist fights. I really liked him, but after a while, he sort of seemed a little watered down. He was just kind of the straight man. He was just kind of the good guy that was just trying to do the honourable thing. And I wouldn't disagree with that. was a bit less interesting after a while. So, this might seem like drive bias, but I'm going to go with Ryan Gosling. Really? Really? (laughs) Okay. I thought he was consistently the most entertaining throughout the film because... He was consistently dropping sharp lines, whether he was talking to the shoeshine kid, whether it was Emma Stone, whether it was to Josh Brolin. Mm. I thought he was always doing something that was interesting and charismatic, and I think he had the best lines in the film. Mm. So, although his character didn't end up doing that much, I suppose, Mm. he was probably the person that entertained me the most throughout the film. Okay. Mm. And drive-bys. Yeah. And now... uh... What have you complaints about uh, a segment disappearing from the <laughs> podcast? We thought we'd have a bit of a break. Sometimes we, you know, take segments off for a bit. There's only uh, so much space in our brains for learning. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Maybe The Hobbit and Wreck-It Ralph didn't teach us. <laughs> um, it's the What Has Blank Taught Us segment where we, we look at something that we learnt from, from the movie. So, Jonathan, this week it's What Has Gangster Squad Taught Us? Uh, so I'm going to ask you the question, what has Gangster Squad taught you? Well, Matt, Gangster Squad has taught me that if you ever get into a shootout, the best form of cover is a Christmas tree. Yes. Because there is a scene in this movie where someone pokes their head out from behind a corner and instantly gets nailed between the eyes. Mm-hmm. Then two people start shooting at each other, 
from the same kind of position, but they're both behind a Christmas tree, and the Christmas tree just gets destroyed. There's baubles taking bullets. Yeah. There's tensor flying everywhere, but no one gets shot. Yeah, yes. So the Christmas tree is a bit of a magical bullet force field. It's so. a Christmas miracle. <laughs> it's, a, it's, Chris, it's the magic of Christmas. So if you're ever getting shot at, try and find a Christmas tree. That's what I learned. Mm. Matt, what has Gangster Squad taught you? Gangster Squad has taught me that Los Angeles was not that big in 1949. There's a scene where Ryan Gosling is at Josh Brolin's house and just Emma Stone rocks up in a cab and gets out and runs up to Ryan Gosling and goes, I've been looking for you everywhere. She didn't know where Josh Brolin lived. <laughs> like, she has literally been driving down each street looking for... Like, I doubt she could call the police and say, where is the head of the gangster squad? Check the address on the gangster squad Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. Um, where's gangster squad HQ? Uh, yeah, she just she just rocks up and goes, I've been looking for you everywhere. I had to check 12 houses. Yeah. It was yeah. the 12th one. It took me forever to get here. Or maybe she's just lucky. Like, <laughs> I've been looking for you everywhere. Luckily, you're on the second street in LA that I've started to check. Like, yeah, I just thought that was very uh, interesting. So, Matt, is it time for our screen verdict? Yes. Gangster Squad. It wasn't really what I expected, but it was a little bit more what I expected after I saw some early reviews. If you expect a serious, gritty gangster film, if that's the kind of thing you like, you might be a bit disappointed in Gangster Squad. But if you go into it thinking that this is going to be a bit more cartoonish, a bit like a comic book type movie, it's quite glossy, and it's just supposed to be fun and fast-paced, I think you're more likely to find it entertaining. It's actually directed by Ruben Fleischer, who has done Zombieland and 30 Minutes or Less. So this is actually a comedy director Mm. doing Gangster Squad. I thought the story was pretty middle of the road, but it was filled up by some pretty over-the-top entertaining characters with some pretty witty dialogue. And it was really fast-paced. It kept me interested the whole way through, although there were some pretty kind of corny, cheesy parts to it. But overall, I'm going to say I went with it and found it quite fun and entertaining. I'd actually compare it to playing a video game. There's a game, L.A. Noir that I really liked. Yeah. It felt quite similar to that. Hmm. So I'm going to give Gangster Squad a 7 out of 10. Okay. My verdict on Gangster Squad. I thought that the characters were pretty two-dimensional. The dialogue was fairly awful. There were plot holes like, all over it, uh, things that didn't really make much sense. I didn't think the plot was very interesting or good. The premise was okay. But it was one of those movies that I think, like, I found quite entertaining because the dialogue was so bad and because the characters were so two-dimensional and because there were plot holes. Like, if this movie hadn't had bad dialogue or 2D characters or, like, the plot made perfect sense. I probably would have found it less entertaining. <laughs> like, I probably oh, yeah, it's just a standard gangster film. So, I'm going to give it a five and a half out of ten. Because it really isn't very good at all. But, like, it was, 
like one of those movies that I did enjoy watching and enjoy laughing at the corniness. <laughs> I'm not sure it was all intended. And there were a healthy amount of gangster hats. <laughs> and people might be interested that this was uh, inspired by a true story, this movie. Is there a big difference between inspired by and based on? Yeah, I was thinking this when it came up. Because it does open like the movie, inspired by a true story. I think, like, on the scale of, like, I guess, documentary to <laughs> fiction, I think Inspired By is closer to the fiction end than based on. I think this film is quite close to the fiction end of yes. that spectrum. I feel like Inspired By is what they use when they want to give it some sort of weight, but at the same time... They're sort of like, well, there isn't really much here that actually happened. So we'll say inspired by, people think it really happened like that. Based would be unethical. So that's our verdict. Now on to housekeeping. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I think you posted a poll. Because last week we talked about how I was having my wisdom teeth removed. Um, So you posted a poll. What was the question, Jonathan? The question was... Are you pulling for Matt to survive his wisdom teeth surgery? We'll forward the results to the anaesthetist. Mm. Uh, the options were, yes, I hope Matt lives, and no, I hope Matt dies. Okay, and what are the results of the poll, Jonathan, as they currently stand? They currently stand at 2 to 1 for, no, I hope Matt dies. Who voted for me dying? You voted for me to live. That's I what, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this makes me feel like, I should have voted. (laughs) (laughs) Could have been a tie. I lost by one. Imagine if I died just because you didn't remember to vote. Yeah. Thanks, Tom and Jared. I was going to thank Tom for congratulating us on our 50th podcast this week, which uh, is quite the milestone. That was our ranking the 20 best TV drama characters since 2000 podcast, Mm. which... We recently put up the YouTube sort of highlight clip of those characters up for. Mm. So Dizzy's obviously got on that and is giving us uh, some props for the Big 5-0. Funnily enough, this is our 75th podcast this week. (laughs) Another milestone. So happy 75th podcast, Jonathan. Yes, it was a great first 75 podcast. I guess I'll be doing the next 75 on my own. Well, no, I've had the surgery... Well, you never know. There could be sort of late onsetting death potion that is the death <laughs> slipped into me. I was giving you. No, I, th- I think despite uh, the results, you know, this has decided that maybe the, oh, more, the he's, he's overruled the poll. I would guess so. <laughs> you probably figured like the screen verdict poll was outweighed by the potential lawsuit <laughs> that could be coming, or at least the paperwork that would be coming his way. If uh, I died on the operating table as a result of his work. He would have had to fill out an extra form, probably. Maybe, maybe yeah. he voted for you. Yes. It was yeah. us two and the anaesthetist yeah. yes. against Tom and Jared. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, they got them all out. I saw the uh, surgeon this morning. He said, all looking good. 4-0 to the surgeon. Yeah. So, there we go. And... Uh, yeah, I've just been watching a lot of, like, TV and movies. Oh, yeah, um, thanks for getting me, like, Twin Peaks Season 1 
for the birthday, Jonathan. Um, that was great. Ends on a cliffhanger. So hopefully this year you get me Twin Peaks Season 2. It's a bit like uh, getting someone a present, but the present needs a separate cable in order for it to work. <laughs> it's like, well, you gave me Season 1, but it ends on a cliffhanger. Now I need something else, which yeah. I'm going to have to pay for. Yeah, yes. Uh so there we go. I think that's a podcast for the week. We've got a few movies coming up. Oscar season. Yes. Maybe Zero Dark Thirty, Django Unchained could be in the works. That's the official screen verdict tone for things that could be in the works. Yeah. Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, yeah, we got Silver Linings as well. Lincoln. Ooh. And uh, obviously around here also Oscar time. These are all Oscar contenders. So we will have our annual Oscar cast. And I think Dirty Rock might be ending too. So it would be good if we could do, even if it was just a quick little podcast on that, close the book on Dirty Rock. So those are some of the things that are in the pipeline for Screen Verdict. Hope you look forward to them, Mm -hmm. and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.